0: the tackler into the end zone he catches it in stride it scores
1: this is this week in the mountain west and he
0: walks into the end zone
1: touchdown mountain west conference champions hi this is craig thompson commissioner of the mountain
0: west and you are listening to this week in the mountain west on the mountain west radio network it's the week seven edition of This Week in the Mountain West. I'm your host, Matt Neverett. Welcome into the show. Excited to take a look at the upcoming slate of action around the Mountain West Conference and to recap the entire week six schedule. Utah State head coach Blake Anderson joins to break down their matchup against Colorado State this weekend. And the Rams, play-by-play broadcaster Brian Roth joins to talk about last week's emotional win for Colorado State in the first victory for new head coach Jay Norvell against his former program, Nevada. Before we take a look at last week's slate of action as a whole, time to to dive into the Mountain West Players of the Week for Week 6. For the fourth time in his career and the second week in a row, San Jose State quarterback Shevin Cordero was tabbed as the Mountain West's Offensive Player of the Week as the junior out of Hawaii led the Spartans to a dominating 40-7 win over UNLV at home last week. Cordero was 18-27 of through the air for 230 yards passing and two touchdowns while rushing for an additional 109 yards and two more scores for an average of 7.8 yards per carry in the win. The remainder of the weekly awards come from one team as Boise State becomes the first school this year to have the defensive, special teams, and freshman of the week in the same game. Senior linebacker Ezekiel Noah led the charge defensively in a 40-20 Bronco win over Fresno State, tallying a career-high six solo tackles, two tackles for a loss including a sack and a forced fumble in the victory. He also recorded a second-quarter interception that was the first of his career in Boise, and the senior became the first Bronco with an interception, a forced fumble, and a sack in a single game since 2007. True freshman running back Ashton Jonti rushed for a career-high 109 yards and two touchdowns in the Boise State win, while averaging 5.7 yards per rush and route to the Week 6 Freshman of the Week around the Mountain West Conference. And Jonah Dalmas was awarded Special Teams Player of the Week for the second time this season. The Idaho native was a perfect 4-for-4 four four on field goals and extra points against Fresno State, tying the most field goals made by a Mountain West kicker so far in the 2022 season. The four field goals was also a career-high for Dalmas. Without further delay, it's time for a full recap of the Week 6 slate of action around the Mountain West Conference. A pair of Friday games started the action, including a 17-14 victory for Colorado State on the road against Nevada as new Rams head coach Jay Norvell needed a walk-off field goal to down his former team for Colorado State's first win of the year total. It was Michael Boyle with the game winner and Brian Roth with the call on Learfield. Snap is good. Kick is up. And it is good! How sweet it is! win as the Colorado State head coach. The other Friday matchup around the conference was a 40-7 drubbing by San Jose State as the Spartans downed UNLV thanks to a dominating performance on the ground with 203 yards rushing as a team and his big performance as well from the conference's Offensive Player of the Week, Shevin Cordero. Cordero to throw, steps up in the pocket, runs it out to the right side to the 10-yard line, speeding to the 5, racing to the end zone, touchdown San Jose State. That was Justin Allegri with the call on Learfield. Saturday in Week 6 action a quartet of games, including an early start for Utah State, as they held off Air Force 34-27 to in a game that featured nearly 500 yards of combined rushing, 41 total first downs between the two teams, and a breakout performance for Aggies quarterback Cooper Lagarde. Legar's going to keep it himself, builds wide open, to the 25, to the 20, to the 15, 10, get there, 5, touchdown Cooper Lagarde. That was Utah State play-by-play voice Scott Gerrard on Learfield. After going down 14 to nothing in the first quarter against New Mexico, quarterback Andrew Peasley and the Wyoming Cowboys put their foot on the gas and scored 27 unanswered points over the remainder of the game to move to 2-1 in Mountain West play. Here's Reese Monaco with Peasley's second and final scoring pass of the day on Learfield.
1: We'll work out of the shotgun, gets it, drops straight back. Peasley, lots of time, fires over the middle. It is caught! Trayton Welch, Traden
0: Welch into the end zone. That is a Cowboy touchdown. Boise State moved to a perfect 3-0 in conference play thanks to a 40-20 doubling of Fresno State in Boise last week. It was George Helani and Ashton Genty leading the charge for the Broncos, each rushing for over 100 yards, but it was the freshman Genty that punched in a pair of scores in a game that was close up until a 13-point fourth quarter for Boise State. Second down, Green handing the ball left side. Genty breaks a tackle, a 10-5. And Boise State leads again. Jinty from 13 yards out. Sprinted around left end
2: and Boise State takes the lead back.
0: Bob Beeler with the call on Learfield. And finally, the first Mountain West win of the year for San Diego State came last week in Week 6 over Hawaii. But it was thanks in large part due to kicker Jack Browning, who booted three field goals, including the eventual game-winning kick. A 26-yarder that was punched through with seven seconds remaining to clinch a 16-14 win over the Rainbow Warriors. Here's the legend, Ted Leitner, with the call of the game-winner on San Diego Sports 760.
1: He's missed one all year. Snap is down. Kick is up.
2: It's good. With seven seconds left to play, the Aztecs take
0: the lead. Joined now here on This Week in the Mountain West by Utah State head coach Blake Anderson. And coach, first off, congratulations on a big homecoming win last week against a very tough Air Force team. After the way the early part of the schedule has played out for your team, how important was a win like that one for your squad at this point in the season?
2: Yeah, it was huge. We really needed to get in the win column. We've Gotten better each week. Growing up, a bunch of young guys. We we had such a senior-heavy team a year ago, and lost a bunch of phenomenal players helped us win the championship. But this is new, and and, and we've been struggling a little along the way to curl up, kind of making mistakes one play at a time. And, and we played our best ball Saturday night against a really good Air Force team, and and we're able to put all three phases together and get a win. And it could not have come at a better time for us. We really needed to get. Uh, some positive, not only on the field, we've seen it, but to get it in the win-loss column and put ourselves in a position to kind of build on it. And of course, squaring off against Air Force
0: comes with game planning for one of the nation's top rushing offenses. 264 yards on the ground for the Falcons, but that number sounds a whole lot better when you consider that it was on 55 carries as a team. Uh, What kind of things did you like to see from your defense in the win uh, against a very physical Air Force team as always?
2: Yeah, you know, we, we struggled against them last year. First time in this league playing against that particular offense for our defensive staff and just felt like we came out of it very frustrated. We spent a ton of time in the offseason, studied film, visited with everybody that we could that had played them well in the past. And and we just adjusted some things, uh, tried to simplify, and, and I, I thought our kids did a phenomenal job at, at really listening to the details. We we taught uh, you know, in the summer, we taught in the offseason, we taught in fall camp. Our, office, I mean, even our open week, we got some triple option work, and it, it showed on, in in the game on Saturday. We played technically way better than a year ago. Both the run game made it very difficult, uh, but also played and rallied to the play action pass, which, as people know, that can that can kill you. And we we gave up one explosive throw for the day, uh, and, and we made them work for every yard. I thought our kids played physical. We flew to the ball. We tackled extremely well, and to create two turnovers. Really sealed it for us uh, in in the second half.
0: And after throwing for just 188 yards against BYU two weeks ago, Cooper Lagat threw for 215 yards and a pair of scores last week, while also rushing for another to help your team snap a losing streak. In what areas have you seen the biggest improvements in your junior signal caller since he was thrust into action?
2: Well, really everywhere. He he just he made better decisions, threw the ball a couple ways, when a couple away a couple times when he needed to desperately move the chains with his legs, which we knew he could do. I was just calm, very collected. There's a couple plays he'd love to get back. I think he's going to get better every time he goes out, but he's very poised. He prepared the right way. I think the kids have rallied around him. Guys are starting to really compete for the ball above the rim and and play competitively for him. Uh, He's he's a guy that just loves kind of that environment, and it showed on Saturday night he he played his best ball and and, and just going to continue to get better. His feet, his ability to create uh, is really going to help you know kind of spread the field out and, and make defenses struggle to know exactly where they want to put the extra defender.
0: Joined here on This Week in the Mountain West by Utah State head coach Blake Anderson. And Coach, taking stock of your team after your first two Mountain West matchups, injuries have been a constant theme of the season so far, really no other way to put it. You've had four starters set down for the year to this point. Just about the only positive that you can spin from that, though, is that 14 players have already made their first career starts uh, compared to just five all of last season in your first year as a head coach at Utah State. How have you instilled that next man up mentality in your team here this season?
2: Well, you've got to I mean that's the nature of ball it, it, it's gonna happen. we were able to survive the season a year ago without having a, a ton of injuries this year it's looked a little different we are we're at a point where we don't have a whole lot of room to to continue to have to go down the depth chart but you mentioned a lot of guys their first start a lot of guys their first snap well over twenty two twenty three maybe even as many as twenty four guys played their first division one snap for us this year and that's going to look great down the road, but right now in the heat of the battle, trying to win games, I've been really proud of how guys have stepped in. A ton of freshmen, guys that just weren't expected to play the type of snaps they are, uh, stepping in and playing and playing big snaps, especially on special teams, which is a huge phase for us, and a place where we feel like that we, we take a tremendous amount of pride in being competitive. So we've got to, uh, we're going to keep growing guys up, and hopefully we can avoid the next big injury. But if it happens, I'd like to think that that next man – up mentality is something our guys understand and and we're doing a, a fairly good job at, at being ready
0: I was going to ask you about the strength on the road so far one area for you and your tenure at Logan that's been really strong has been playing on the road your teams are seven and two when playing away from home since you arrived what are some of the main things that you and your coaching staff focus on when taking your team on the
2: road really just try to keep the process the same you know we, we don't change a whole lot that the week the preparation week stays the same. And and just focus on the things that we can control. I think last year's leadership was key in, in, in the ability to go out on the road and, and play like we did. This group still learning, still growing up. Hopefully this will be the week that it kind of all clicks where you can see this team kind of figure out it, it, it's still the same team. It's still the same game. It's still the same things that are going to impact it, whether you're home or away. You've got to affect those things. And that's our energy level avoiding the big mistake and and creating turnovers and and protecting the ball. Uh, You know, that's what we're going to have to do to beat these guys. I told them yesterday it has nothing to do with our record, their record. It's just what we can do during that 60 minutes. And coach,
0: lastly, no matter how much changes at the Utah State or Colorado State programs, the two sides have always played close matchups, including two of the last three years, where the games have come down to the final play, including last season in your first matchup against the Rams. What is it about this matchup that historically has made it super competitive between Colorado State and Utah State?
2: Well, I think both teams, you know, if you look, super competitive, pride in their programs, played a ton of games, and this league is so evenly matched regardless. You get at this point in the season, some injuries have happened, some improvements have happened. Uh and just the familiarity with each other and the tendencies and the film that you have to look at, you got a pretty good idea by the time you go to bat what you're playing against. And the pride for playing for the league, man both these teams are going to be in that conversation every year. And this tends to be a very critical game in that matchup. So I would expect Saturdays to be no
0: different super thankful to be joined here on this week in the mountain west by head coach Blake Anderson of the defending mountain west champion Utah State Aggies and taking on Colorado State this weekend coach thanks so much for joining us and best of luck in your matchup this weekend
2: appreciate you having me. thank you we'll speak with Colorado State play-by-play man Brian Roth next hey this is Blake Anderson head football coach of the Utah State Aggies we'll be right back with more of this week in the mountain west right after this timeout This is Jay Norvell, head football coach at Colorado State University. Welcome back to This Week in the Mountain West.
0: On paper, last Friday, 17 14 win for Colorado State over Nevada in their first conference game of the year it looked like a close game for the Rams. But with new head coach Jay Norvell leaving the Wolfpack prior to their bowl game last year, it was anything but a normal contest last week. Colorado State play by play man Brian Roth was there for the defensive battle in Reno. And Brian, as I alluded to, this was anything but a normal game for both sides. There was an extra week of prep for both the Rams and Wolfpack as they both entered the game coming off of a bye. Do you think the added time before the game? Added fuel to the already blazing fire between these two programs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly think it probably had uh, a little bit to do with it. And uh, during the bye week, Ken Wilson, the first year head coach for Nevada, who of course took over for Jay Norvell there, the Wolf Pack, you know, said a, a couple incendiary incendiary things that uh, you know kind of sparked that uh, that that flame a little bit. And so, you know, you knew it was going to be a high intensity highly emotional type game on Friday night there in Reno and it proved to be just that.
0: And it wasn't the prettiest win for Jay Norvell and the Rams a a 17 to 14 final hardly ever is but from the pregame comments that you had mentioned between both hit coaches and a couple of the players going back and forth before the game but also just the physicality of the game itself because of those reasons how good of a feeling does it have to be for coach Norvell and his team to get their first win with him at the helm of the Colorado State program?
1: Well, let's say this. I mean, the Ram football program is desperate to get a win, so you you take it any way, anywhere you could possibly get it, uh, and it just happens to be in Reno against Jay Norvell's former uh, f- former team. So, there's no question. It it made it that much sweeter. It you know, Jay Norvell obviously still knows a lot of people there in Reno. He enjoyed his five years there in Reno. Brought the Wolfpack a lot of success there, but you know the Wolfpack fan base uh, <laughs> certainly didn't treat him with uh, you know a, a lot of genuine happiness. Right, it was it was a very frosty and hostile environment that he went into, and because of that, you know the Rams were basically being screamed at at the sideline the entire game. The the student section was less than courteous uh, to the football team. Jane Orville had to come on the field with a, a couple of uh, uh, police men flanking him on either side. So it was kind of that type of night. And because of that and everything that went into it, you count the 10-game losing streak that Colorado State brought into Reno on Friday night as well. And for the Rams to do it on a last-second field goal in the fashion they did it, it just it it made it really, really sweet. And there's no question that will go down as uh, probably one of the most memorable wins in Jay
0: Norvell's uh, career. It was easy money on the ground, a big game for junior tailback Avery Morrow, 168 yards on 24 carries. He did turn the ball over on a fumble, but averaged seven yards per carry in the win against his former team. Uh, Morrow carried the ball almost as many times in one game last week as he did in two years total at Nevada. Do you see a similar bruising bell cow type of role for Morrow moving forward now that he's had the breakout game? Well, I I
1: don't think there's any question. And, again, we talked about players leaving this Ram football program. David Bailey, a senior running back, was the leading rusher for the Rams last year. He announced last week that – he was leaving the program. So you figured more of the onus was going to fall on, on Avery Morrow. And, again, here's a, a kid who hasn't had much of an opportunity throughout his collegiate career. And, and for him to go to his former school and to do what he did. And, you know, I think it surprised uh, a lot of us because this is a Colorado State offensive line that, is, that has been much maligned here this season. Uh, they've given up a ton of sacks. And CSU came to the game Friday night the worst rushing team in the entire nation. They had only averaged 36 rushing yards per game through their first four contests this year. So, you know, I don't think any of us were expecting the Rams to to run the football the way they did. But, man, it was sure good to see. And the fact that it was the former Wolfpack running back, Gabriel Morrow, to do it, setting career highs in both rushing attempts and rushing yards, again, adds to the entire storyline of that game in Reno.
0: And there were a lot of positives to that game. We brought up all of them. The walk-off field goal, a breakout game for Avery Morrow, and the first win for Jay Norvell with the Fort Collins-based team. But the Rams still have plenty of areas to clean up on moving forward. In your eyes, Brian, what are some of those main areas that the Rams need to clean up going throughout the schedule?
1: Well, the offensive line has to continue to prove that it it, it can play better and that they did play better on Friday night in Reno, but they've got to continue to make progressions because, you know, at the end of the day, the Rams had two defensive touchdowns in that contest and didn't score their first offensive points until the very last snap of the football game. And so, you know, you've got to get better on along the offensive line The, The good news is the Rams are as healthy as they've been all season long on the offensive line. And so they didn't come out of the game on Friday night with any injuries. So you're going to play, for the first time all season with the same starting offensive line uh starting lineup in back-to-back weeks that has not happened here this year for colorado state so you know they've got to continue to make improvements then you know we don't think clay millen's gonna play against utah state on saturday night and of course clay millen came in as the starting quarterback well you started a true freshman in Braden Fowler Nicolosi at quarterback last week, and you know, let's be honest about it—he struggled <laughs> until the final drive, and then was really good in the final drive to lead to the game-winning field goal. You got to see him build on that performance uh, last week and get better and better. Rams have a couple of other freshman quarterbacks as well that Jay Norvell alluded to—the fact that they might see some time coming up on Saturday, but offensive line has to be better. And again, you, you've got to see some growth at that quarterback position. It just makes it really tough, though, because everybody is so young. I mean, you look at the wide receiving core, really young, the quarterback room, the youngest quarterback room in the entire nation, but you've got to start seeing improvement. So, you know, those are the two areas. Obviously, the offense has really, really struggled this year, but I think grand fans can be really excited about what that Colorado State defense did on Friday night and saw them come up with the ability to make big plays on the defensive side so i think the defense is going to be pretty good as the season uh, continues along
0: joined here on this week in the mountain west by colorado state play-by-play broadcaster brian roth and brian you we talked about it but the matchup coming up against the yaggies of utah state this week first of two back-to-back home games in fort collins over the next two weeks without getting into too much detail what are your immediate thoughts on the matchup before we get too deep into the week
1: well, I, I would say this, you know, the Rams were 0-4 in, in non-conference play and played a really, really tough schedule. Uh, the, the teams that the Rams went 0-4 against were a combined 16-3 and going into last weekend. We then looked ahead at the schedule for Colorado State, and you saw Nevada, Utah State, and Hawaii to open up Mountain West Conference play. And Matt, as you know, I mean, the Mountain West has not had a good start to the season, and uh, it is about as wide open of a conference as as you could possibly find. I mean, Boise looks like they might have found a little strength in the run game. Um, You know, Fresno State's been dealing with injuries. Air Force loses to, to Utah State last week. But you look at the schedule and say, look, you haven't won a game all year, but you have winnable games coming up against Nevada, which the Rams won, Utah State certainly looks at uh, we look at that as a winnable game and then Hawaii who's really stronger this year as well so you know I think this is the Colorado State team that is going to be happy to return home on homecoming uh, they're going to have a little pop in their step because they have finally gotten that monkey off their back and and you know this is a, this is a, a Utah State team that was really fortunate to beat Colorado State last year in Logan as the Rams missed a field goal um in the closing seconds of that contest so uh, i think it's gonna be a ramp team that'll be very confident coming up on saturday night and look i i think it's gonna be a good game and uh you know you just gotta continue to make plays find a way to get some turnovers but more than anything you gotta find a way to score some points
0: This is a Colorado State program, as you mentioned, super young in the quarterback room, some changeover at the running back position, really changeover from top to bottom, especially with the first-year head coach. Jay Norvell signed a five-year deal to lead the program. Looking towards the medium- to long-term future a couple years down the line, what kind of an identity do you think Coach Norvell would be happy with establishing at the Colorado State program?
1: Well, I'm really excited about Jay Norvell and this coaching staff. And and you look at his first year at Nevada, remember he spent five years there. They opened up that season 0-5, uh, his first year in 17 uh, they started that year one and eight and they finished that year three and nine. So showed some improvement as the year went along and then they went to four straight bowl games. And if you can do that in Nevada, you can certainly do that here at Colorado state. You want to see that air raid offense that really is part of who Jay Norvell is. Uh, you want to see that start making some strides. And, and again, it's a young receiving core. It's a young quarterback room. And you'll have to look at this year as a building year, for the future.
0: Colorado State takes on Utah State this Saturday in a game you can watch on CBS Sports Network. He's Colorado State play-by-play broadcaster Brian Roth. Brian, thanks so much for joining us here on This Week in the Mountain West. All right, Thanks for having me, Matt. We'll preview the entire Week 7 slate when we return. This is Marcus Arroyo, head coach of the UNLV Rebels. We'll be back with more of This Week in the Mountain West right after this timeout.
2: This is Troy Calhoun, head coach of the Air Force Academy. Welcome back to This
0: Week in the Mountain West. Finishing things up here on This Week in the Mountain West, taking a look at a lighter schedule around the conference in Week 7 action with just five Saturday games on the schedule, including a non-conference matchup in Las Cruces, New Mexico. The Rio Grande rivalry renews itself for the 112th time as Danny Gonzalez and the New Mexico Lobos travel down I-25 to take on New Mexico State Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time on Flow Sports. New Mexico looks to improve on their 2-4 record after allowing 27 unanswered points against Wyoming in a 27-14 loss a week ago. Both one and four Colorado State and two and four Utah State are looking for their second conference win of the year and they'll square off at Canvas Stadium in Fort Collins at 5 p.m. Mountain Time televised on CBS Sports Network. This pivotal early season showdown between Mountain Division foes will propel the winner to at least a tie with Wyoming for second in the division with the Cowboys taking week seven off on the schedule. And speaking of division races, 4-2 UNLV looks to shoot themselves atop the West Division but face a tough test this week with Troy Calhoun and the 4-2 Air Force Falcons traveling to Allegiant Stadium just off the Las Vegas Strip. The availability of Rebel quarterback Doug Brumfield is in serious doubt for the game as it looks like sophomore QB Cameron Friel will get the start under center should Brumfield be unable to suit up. Check that one out at CBS Sports Network at 7.30 Pacific immediately following the Utah State-Colorado State matchup. 4-1 4-1 San Jose State and 1-4 and Fresno State duke it out for the Valley Trophy Saturday night as Spartan signal caller Chevin Cordero looks for his third straight Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week honor with a big game in Week 7. A victory guarantees San Jose State top spot in the West Division as the Bulldogs are hoping to avoid their fifth straight loss after a season opening win. 7.45 Pacific Time kickoff from Bulldog Stadium in Fresno televised nationally on FS1. And finally, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors look to rebound after a 16-14 loss to San Diego State last week as they host Nevada on Saturday night in Hawaii. Both programs are looking for their first Mountain West victory of the season. The hunt starts at 6 p.m. Hawaii time, televised on Spectrum Sports. That'll do it for the Week 7 edition of This Week in the Mountain West. Be sure to follow the Mountain West on all social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, for all the latest news, scores, standings, and, of course, highlights. Plus, you can always keep up with everything and get the latest content from the Mountain West Network at themw.com. I'm your host, Matt Nebert. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy the Week 7 slate of action around the Mountain West Conference. This is Craig Thompson, Commissioner of the Mountain West, We'll talk to you next week right here on This Week in the Mountain West.